Point presents A Walk Down Main Street. Turning the lens of the radio camera on the vast panorama of downtowns across Ontario. Zooming in to capture the living memories of Main Streets before they are lost forever. Traveling across the province in our storymobile for your tales of Butchers and bakers and candlestick makers and buildings and heroes and side roads and weirdos and bars and stars and roads and cars and shops and cops and people who rock. Because what we have found is everyone around has one or two telling tales of the town. Come join us as we take a a walk walk down down Main Street. Welcome to Kingston. I'm JP Davidson. Do you remember dollar bills? Brian's record option? Something called shooting the boot? The elevator man at SNR? The poutine at Lino's? We brought our storymobile to Kingston's Kick and Push Festival in July this year. When we parked it on Princess Street, the people of Kingston came in and shared those stories and so many more. These are the stories of downtown Kingston, as told by the people of Kingston. Now, let's take a walk down Main Street. I think what impressed me a lot about my my early trips to Kingston was that the, the downtown was really vital. It's a long strip. Princess Street as a, as a downtown street is, is really quite long. And there's a lot of activity on there. So what is your earliest memory of downtown Kingston? Fireworks as a child, the busy market days on the streets, entertainers, live music, and it's a very lively uh, atmosphere downtown Kingston during the summer. So it, kinda, it still has that now, but as far as I can remember, that's always had that memory. When I was six, the memory that I have is of cooks around the corner because up near the ceiling they have displays of dolls from different parts of the world. So that's my earliest memory of downtown Kingston. They're still there. Like 60 years later, they're all exactly the same. So you were there as a young girl and you still go in there now? Oh yeah, absolutely. They have great coffee and treats and it smells like roasting coffee. It's just wonderful. It's, uh, and it always has. The old uh, walk-in style wooden floors, uh, architecture, metal ceilings, it, it's, it's good to see. As a child, I remember walking in there and you know, I wasn't big on coffee when I was a child, but the smell of the fresh chocolate and coffee and the candies from all across the world is kind of magical and different than anything else you see in, in modern stores. Kingston is one of those places that kind of gets in your blood. Beware, you know, the way that you can get uh, pulled into the place. Uh, there's a, there seem to be a lot of people who intended to come to Kingston for a short while and then decided to make their life here. Um, it, it's, it's seductive in a lot of ways. I just fell in love with it. I just love Kingston. And I love the music scene here and the people here and I, the architecture and stuff. And so, yeah, stuck around. I never felt at home in Canada until I was on Princess Street and could walk down to the waterfront and see all those colors. The beautiful crisp blue sky and the water in the summer. There's no doubt that Kingston is a beautiful place, but like anywhere, there's a rough side to it too. Back in probably 1967, 68, 
This whole area right in front of City Hall was basically rail lines, coal yards, you know, it was very, very rough and tumble. Walking down there at night was not, were you looking for a fight, but that you were going to be in one. You know, a lot of pubs that were whitewashed over so you couldn't see in the windows. <laughs> I learned the hard way that you have to be very careful when you intervene. There were two young men, young males, not men, and they were harassing an older couple and grabbing at the lady's purse, and I went out to intervene, and one of them picked up a, um, a piece of two-by-four about three feet long and hit me across the uh, back, the kidneys. <laughs> Needless to say, I was on the floor gasping when other people intervened. But uh, no, that was the sort of thing that happened. This young girl comes up to me uh, and uh, says to me, stops me on the street and says, uh, do you want to feel lucky? And I'm looking at her and I said, I think I feel lucky already and I walk past. And so that was my first uh, <laughs> impression of Princess Street. Dolly Bells was huge. From what I remember, Dollar Bills had this policy where on certain nights they would only let women in the bar until 11 o'clock and it'd be super cheap drinks. And then at 11 o'clock, they would open the doors and unleash all these men into the bar. So there'd be all these drunk women in the bar by themselves. And then all these men would come in like, <laughs> kind of just rolling through the door. And I remember kind of standing in line at the door waiting to get in where all the drunk ladies were drinking and partying. I gotta get into Dollar Bills. Dollar Bills was, I think, from what I remember of Dollar Bills, it was called that because the drinks for women before 11 were a dollar. A little bit more dangerous down in this area back then. There was uh, the Indian Room at the Prince George, which had people fought every night. And at Muldoon's, there were, there were um, army groups that came in there, and they clashed with the Queen's groups, and there would be fights the odd time. <laughs> Someone tried to steal a keg one time, and I chased him up the road, yelling at him all the way. And when I yelled at him that it was an empty keg, why he would have thought it was full to be able to carry it that easily, and then he threw it at me. <laughs> Did he hit you? No, it just came, I think he was about half a block away, it just came rolling down the street towards me and I got it and brought it back. <laughs> Again, this was not a very nice area down here, but as you can see right now, it's definitely turned into a people place. There are lots of ways to get around Kingston. Buses, bikes, even boats. But a favorite among locals is cruising slowly down Princess Street in a car. My brother particularly would say, do you want to go for a ride? We used to have this term actually, that if you were driving down Princess Street, it was called shoot the boot. There's always a lot going on in Princess Street. And when you come past Division, because of the buildings all along, it was known as shooting the tube. Let's go shoot the boot. And every Sunday or Friday night or whenever we really got a good chance when all of us were off work, we'd all hop on our motorcycles. My one buddy, Tyler, who had a old 
like I think it was you know an, an, an 80s Buick that was like a brown boat we called it the brown beauty but we'd get in the brown beauty and we'd go shoot the boot hey let's go shoot the tube and it's literally just driving down princess listening to your bike echo off the buildings and just trying to scare as many people as you crack the throttle and rawr, 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 make that big thundering sound as we come by some people would do the kind of the drag racy kind of thing. Always, always trying to make the impression who had the biggest and loudest bike and you know, who had the full set of leathers that was a cool, of course, you betcha. <laughs> we never really did that, but uh, but there's always the, you know, the yelling at people out, out the, the window and stuff like that. And sometimes it would just be weird noises, just sort of like to shock people. Just weird boy things. So that was another one of our, our, our youthful sort of things, was that we'd go and shoot the tube. So we really made an impression when we were shooting the boot. Go right back up, shoot the tube again. We'd drive down Princess Street and then up Rock Street and then down Princess Street for a couple hours, just sort of cruising. Sometimes five, six times in a row. <laughs> then, you know, meet at the toucan. I don't really know what the purpose of that was. I think he was looking for girls, probably. So we would do that every night until dinner time. Just drive up and down Princess Street. When Kingston residents tire of shooting the boot or the tube, they love to shop. We heard about so many beloved stores along Princess Street, some that are still around, and some that have gone by the wayside. Has anyone talked to you about SNR? Oh, SNR. SNR, Smith and Robinson. Well, there used to be SNR, which is an old department store that started in '59 here. SNR was a tremendous boon to downtown. I grew up with SNR. You know, it was packed to the rafters with stuff. Everything, hardware to uh, every gadget you were looking for. That's where you get your Halloween candy. It was just a hoot. You could do all your Christmas shopping there. It was right at SNR. On the second floor, you would go up and they just had free drinks and cookies for anybody and everybody. Just a little place to stop while you were shopping. They always had free juice for the kids. Sort of like a tang flavored drink, an orange drink. You know, reddish or grapeish colored. You could go in on a hot day and get a peach juice, a lemonade, and some cookies. I got my rainbow jeans there in grade eight. I think I bought toys there that were like off-brand Transformer toys. Crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> so they like didn't really transform properly. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be like half stuck between like a wasp and like a swordsman. It was crazy. <laughs> a mishmash of everything. <laughs> Men's, hardware, um, housewares, toys. Like just, it was a huge department store. And incredibly cheap and wonderful. Something pretty well for everybody. It was the most wonderful place ever. You needed to travel up a central elevator in the center of the building that was installed probably in the early 1900s. I, of course, remember the uh, elevator in there. You get from the candy section to the toy section, you had to go up three floors in an elevator, you had to wait. It was so slow and old, but I mean, that's fine. It was, it was very charming. 
you know, the most remarkable thing you remember about it was a, a very ancient elevator. Four levels high with an elevator and an elevator operator, like an old school elevator operator who we love, yes. He had curly, not curly, he had wispy gray hair. He was a staple. He had a wonderful, like, pirate's goatee, blonde, with wavy gold hair, like, that just went out like that. And he was tall and very skinny. And he always wore a shirt that was a little bit too big for him. His, his clothes looked too big for him. An incredible-looking man. And he was there for years and years and years. Every time you'd go there, you'd go on the elevator, and he, it would be the same guy every time. That was the exciting part. If you had to go in there, the best thing from a child's point of view was there would be an interesting person uh, at the elevator cranking it open and shut and calling out the floors and the merchandise on each floor. Yo, Mom or Dad, can we go down to the SNR so we can ride in the elevator? <laughs> Oh yes, well there were a few there were a few different elevator people. Some nice Kingston characters. Oh, I love the elevator man. <laughs> it was just fun. And I wonder what he's doing now because he was doing that for a long time. A long time. What were your favorite places to hang out downtown when you were at Queens? I can name you two places, and oddly enough, they are Kingston's longest-running businesses, and nobody would have guessed. Terra Natural Foods and Brian's record option, record option as in vinyl. Crazy record store. This record store is like, it's like a, it's like an episode of Hoarders, only it's all so well organized in his brain. You'll go in there and look around and you go, holy, you think you're gonna die because he's got records piled up anywhere, but if you ask him for a vinyl CDs or a record, he's got it. You can hardly move walking through that for the stuff piled all over. And it re it seems that it's um, absolutely just a jumble of things that have been thrown in there. But the interesting thing about it is that Brian himself always knows where anything can be found. I can tell you exactly what it was like in the 70s. It's exactly what it's like now. It has not changed. It is total randomness, chaos, and disorganized, and nobody could know where anything is except Brian, who knows where everything is. It's tumbling down, it's falling down, and he's in total zeny control. Being a stranger and walking in there, you might think, this is horrifying, I can't find my way through here, I'm leaving. But he's the friendliest guy you could ever meet and incredibly knowledgeable and incredibly helpful. If you're looking for something specific, you speak to Brian and he helps you in seconds. I'm looking for Metallica or a ska album, or I'm looking for, I don't know, Brian Adams. And he'll look up to the left or the right, I think to the left, he'll look up and He'll think for like two seconds and then he'll go, oh, yeah. It's like his brain is like this big filing cabinet for like these crazy records that are everywhere. Well, someone came in the other day last week and said, um, you know, your store uh, reminds me of a train wreck. 
And then he says, uh, and then he says, mind you, I like train wrecks. Brian Lipson, I'm uh, the proprietor of uh, Brian's Record Option. Well, it started off in 1980. Back then, I was the rebel. I was the, you know, the new kid in town. And now, I guess, I'm the establishment. I laugh, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm always feeling silly because I don't recognize anyone, you know, <laughs> who I should. The guy from Blue Rodeo. Uh, actually, that's an interesting story because uh, Keeler came in. I didn't know it was him. And he says, uh, uh, where's your folk section? Anyways, he comes back and says, okay, I'll take these. And I said, uh, oh, you must play guitar. And he says, yeah. And I said, are you any good? And he says, okay. And uh, do you play with a band? And I had the latest Blue Rodeo record up there and he pointed to it and oh boy. <laughs> the store is the way the old fashioned record stores were in the late 60s, early 70s. It has a lot of character, which is missing from a lot of the stores. Character and choice, you know? Options. Exactly. And what walk down Main Street would be complete without a bite to eat? Kingston loves its restaurants, whether they're fancy or decidedly not. Any other spots you would frequent downtown? There was Lino's up at Division and Princess. That was an all-night diner type of place. It was frequented by everybody from the down and out to the students after hours to the writers. It was a, quite a meeting ground. So Lino's was the place where everybody went as Queen students after they would hit the bars and the hubs, so stages, and what was AJ's, now the Ale House. And they would all go to Lino's after that. Big, heaping plates of poutine for like five bucks. When I moved here in 1994, I got a place above a notorious place called Lino's. The big thing about Lino's was that if you ordered a PB&J, that you could get a upstairs. When you asked for uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it didn't always mean uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So this is always, as students, this was like the mystique of Lino's. We would be eating these heaping plates of poutine, but like just upstairs, people were getting because they said PB&J. I did have a couple of fellas knock on my door and, you know, they had the wrong apartment. <laughs> and I had to wonder if they were looking for a different sort of lady <laughs> to open the door. Everybody has magical stories about Shea Piggy. Certainly has a famous start because it was opened by two incredibly talented individuals. The lead guitarist of The Loving Spoonful, a man called Zolianowski, and his incredibly equally talented wife, Rose Richardson. You can really see how it's um, sort of revitalized that downtown part of Lower Princess Street where a lot of the restaurants are. Took a decrepit old building and turned it into a landmark. There's nothing like the patio in the summer at Shea Piggy's. You know, you just want to stay there all afternoon. For Kingston, it was the beginning of a great downtown resuscitation. I remember being there with my girlfriends once, and I saw a man across the room 
there's a stranger and you're both at Shea Piggies, so you think, well, it's not really a stranger. <laughs> so there was a couple in here this winter and they had their first date at Shea Piggy. They'd had the reception dinner at Shea Piggy and they actually came back for their 25th anniversary. I remember one time I took the creme brulee off the dessert menu and I replaced it with a pot de creme just for a season. And I had a regular customer confront me in the middle of the dining room up here on a Saturday night with the pot de creme in their hand, shouting, do you think this is a suitable replacement for creme brulee? It was the in place and the food was great. Even now, I still go. Listening to people's memories of Kingston, we heard a lot about how it's changed over the years. And like so many towns across Canada, that change hasn't always been easy for downtown Kingston. As I think about over the period of time that I've lived here in this area, there's been a lot of changes. Yeah, there's been a great deal of changes. There were a lot of really neat stores on Princess Street. In Kingston, we've watched real, like, long-term businesses that were the anchors of downtown that were locally owned disappear, and there's about one every summer. Dover's is gone. Canary de Stare was there for years. Jewelry store. Woolworths, uh, Kresge's. SNR is no longer there. It was sold. Now there's a milestones in it. I bought all my kids' clothes there, all their diapers, everything at SNR, and now I can't do that, so I have to go out to the suburbs. There used to be many more bookstores downtown than there are now. There was no such thing as a clothes shop even 20 years ago, at the end of the 80s. It has become much more upscale, and it is also come to feature many more empty storefronts. That's a bit of a paradox, but that's where we're at. And now I can buy a $200 bra if I want on Princess Street. Now we have chain dollar stores everywhere. I don't know why we have so many dollar stores. PetSmart and dollar stores seems to be the wave of the future. Since Walmart um, built on the outskirts of town, the downtown is a little less vibrant. It's not a ghost town by any stretch of the imagination, but it hasn't thrived quite as much as you might have hoped. One of the things you have to be very aware of is in any downtown, you need people on the street for it to be successful. Automobiles help, but you need people. We're going through a bit of a rough spot. I think most downtowns are right now, unfortunately. Things are never what they seem, and Kingston is the, the personification of that. It seems to be cold, gray, limestone, penitentiaries, oh my God, yeah, but look inside, look a little deeper, there's a lot of magic here. Princess Street leads down to the water, and that's pretty magical. You know, when you're on the slope, and you get to the point where you can see the water from the top of Princess Street. The freedom of a small town, but a big city feel too. It's a modern city, but it embraces its history like no other city in Ontario that I can think of. Everything I would need in this downtown, really. But I don't need much, so <laughs> there you go. There's a great art community. 
I love the fact that everywhere you go, you meet people you know. I mean, it's such a classic small city thing to say, but it's true in Kingston. You meet people everywhere you go. Tons of pubs, so you're always going on a little pub crawl. Good uh, tourist city, good educational city with Queens, St. Lawrence, RMC. It's got everything you can possibly want. Too much for words, really, you know? It's just the downtown is so vibrant. Just this weekend, we just finished having a big festival, and this festival is always down here. I think per capita in, in the nation, I think we're probably number one as far as as many restaurants per capita. Now they're looking to increase residential population downtown by new projects along the waterfront that are very beautiful. And it's going to intensify urbanization downtown, which is good for everybody involved. It's going to bring some more life, some more much-needed money to the economy downtown too, and keep it clean, safe, and fun. So that you're going to have a more livable downtown core. And so they're shopping and doing all of their consuming in the downtown core and all of their entertainment too. I mean, that's all down here as well. So it has a small town feel with big city opportunity. Yes, the market was always here, but it wasn't this big and it wasn't as flourishing as this market here today. You look around and it's busy and this is normal. There's a feeling that I get when I come back here that I don't get anywhere else in the world. You found your ideal place. Absolutely, and I really do love it here. And in your fantasy world, what does it look like in five, ten years? Don't change a thing, baby. Don't change a thing. Thanks for tuning in. To hear more tales and to find out when our Storymobile is coming to your town, visit thetaleofatown.com. Special thanks to the Kick and Push Festival, the City of Kingston, the Ontario Arts Council, Ontario 400 Celebrations, and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for their generous support of our project. And thanks too to everyone in Kingston who supported our performance installation and took the time to share their stories. You can find a complete list on our website. The Tale of a Town is created and produced by Fixed Point and developed in collaboration with the National Arts Centre to capture the collective community memory of Canada's main streets, one story at a time. This episode was produced by me, J.P. Davidson, and created in collaboration with the artistic team, including Charlotte Gowdy and Katie Swift, with original music by Jake Nickel. Thanks for listening.